I don't know if you remember, but last time we were here, we were in Titus, and I'm going to finish it tonight, and then we're going to do Philemon next week, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll go from there. So we're going to study First, Second, Third John this this uh, season as well. So. Uh, just to give you a heads up where we're going, but we're going to do Titus chapter 3 tonight and finish that book uh, as we get here in the Wednesday night. So I don't know about you, but it's not been a great start to 2022 for me, right? I got sick. I tested positive for COVID, missed a week of work. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a hard start for in 2022. I don't know about you, but it's been a, it's been a little bit of a struggle um, for me to get, to get started. I love the beginning of a year, but, uh, haven't had one start like this. So it was a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, been a little bit difficult and I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that we're starting Wednesday nights back up. I've missed being here. I missed you guys. So, and, uh, I know that there's, there's a bunch of you online that are watching, um, and, whether you're at home because you're you're having a rough start to the year, I, I've talked to many of you. Know that you're sick. Uh, just know that we are praying for you and uh, we're here for you. And we can't wait till you can get back and be a part of our Wednesday night service. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. So Forrest Gump said this. He said, "Stupid is as stupid does." Anybody remember that? Right. So I'm gonna read to you some some stupid things real quick. So which is stupid for me to read to you, but I'm going to read to you anyway. These are, these are labels found on some, some items that we purchase. On a Sears hairdryer, here's what the label said. Do not use while sleeping. Right? Stupid. I like this one. On a bag of Fritos, this is what it says on a bag of Fritos. You could be a winner. No purchase necessary. Details inside. Right? On a bar of dial soap, if anybody uses dial soap anymore, it says on directions, use like a regular bar of soap. Stupid, right? How about this one? How many of you have ever bought anything from the Swan's truck? Wow. Not very many of you. How many of you have no idea what the Swan's truck is? Well, not, not some of you, right? Basically, it's a gift from God. They drive around with frozen ice cream in their truck and they come to your house. You know, that's basically what it is. This is on some frozen dinners that Swan sells. Serving suggestion, defrost. <laughs> Stupid, right? On a hotel-provided shower cap in a box, the box says this, fits on one head. Right? On on packaging for a rotenda dryer or iron, on an iron box, it says this, do not iron clothes while on body. Right? And then on a chainsaw, it says this, do not attempt to stop chainsaw with your hands. Right? Listen, there are some things that are just stupid. Would you agree with that? Right? There's just some stupid things. Some things that we do because stupid is really is as stupid does. They're just some things that we shouldn't do. I think Titus 3, I think Titus 3 sort of outlines for us the same idea, that there are just some things that Christians shouldn't do because they're stupid. And Titus 3 sort of ends with a little bit of a flurry in regard to what that looks like. Remember, if you've, if you've been here 
We talked about this before the Christmas break, but Titus was a, was a Greek convert. Uh, he was a guy that was part of Paul's ministry for many years, served him faithfully, uh, especially in Corinth. Um, and Paul basically on one of his missionary journeys leaves Titus in the island of Crete to basically sort of straighten up house churches that had gotten in disarray because basically he said that Crete, the island of Crete, he quotes a poet in the first chapter and basically says Cretans are liars and they're lazy and they're gluttons, right? This was a, Crete was a difficult island. Crete's claim to fame was that they believed that Zeus, right, the Roman god Zeus was born right there in Crete and they celebrated his, basically his bad behavior, right? And so Crete was a difficult place. The gospel had gone there, people had believed, home churches had begun to be started, and then as always, false teachers and other wolf-like leaders had gotten into these house churches and were basically destroying them, and Paul leaves Titus there to sort of set things in order. And in his letter, he writes, right, a, a multitude of directions for Titus in regard to how he should go about doing this. We talked about those in chapter one and in chapter two. Okay. Chapter three sort of wraps it up, expands it a little bit further as to what, what being a Christian should look like in such a community. Right. And when I picture Crete and I, and I read about what Crete was like, listen, it reminds me of a lot of modern day America, right? There's very, very, there's very, common similarities across the behaviors of what Cretans were like and what Americans have become like in the process. And the reality is some of the struggles that we face right now in 2022, Paul addresses in his letter to Titus about Cretans and what they should, what, what they should be like. And I think you're going to hear that and see that as we read through some of these verses. Let's start with this verse. This is in, this is in uh, Titus chapter three and verse 14. And this is the, this is the key verse of the entire chapter to me. This is what it boils down to, and I'll, I'll explain that. So Titus 3.14 says, Paul writing again to Titus to instruct Christian believers, right, here on the island of Crete, our people, right, followers of Christ, so you and I, right here, must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. To doing what is good in order, here's why we do good, in order that they or us provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive. In the Greek, that's unfruitful. The root of this word is karpos, which means fruit, right? And the Greek word here is akarpos, which means unfruitful. So what he says is that here's our choices, believers. Teach these people to devote themselves to doing good works or they become unfruitful in their lives. Why is that important? Here's why. John chapter 15, Jesus in one of his final, in one of his final uh, conversations with his disciples teaches this. John 15 verses 1 through 8. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every, listen to this, he, the gardener, right, that's God, cuts off every branch in Jesus that what? Everybody read it with me. That bears, listen, there's a measurement that the gardener's looking for, right? We, we, talk, about, we talk about all kinds of measurables around here and there's a reason for that because 
A vine that is connected to a branch produces what? Fruit. Jesus is the vine. We are the branch. And the gardener examines the branches for fruit. And if the branch has no fruit, he what? Cuts it off. Listen, it's important that we aren't unproductive in our Christian lives. Amen? Listen, there's a measurement here. He goes on to say this. Well, every branch... Every branch that does bear fruit. So if you're doing those good works, if you're producing those fruit, how does God work in your life? Well, it tells you. He prunes it so that you will be even what? How many of you have gone through a season where you have felt really close to God? Things have clicked. Things have gone well. And then you're cruising along and you think you and God are on the same page and all things are going great. And then all of a sudden, bam, right? Things fall apart and you're like, what in the world is going on? Why is God upset with me? Why is God... Here's why. Because a branch that bears fruit and has that fruit harvested eventually has to produce what? More fruit. So how does God get more fruit? He, everybody say it, prunes you. Anybody ever prune a bush? You know what you're doing when you prune a bush? You're cutting off live stuff and you're making that bush look really ugly, right? Almost looks dead, right? And why do you do it? Because the next time spring rolls around, you want those roses to not just be beautiful. You want them to be more beautiful. You want them to be even better. Does that make sense to you? Do you know how, listen, we give Satan a lot of credit for stuff he does not do. This is just my opinion. Listen, God's, I say this a lot. God's a lot more invested in your life than Satan is. Okay, God connected you to a vine and said, I need you from that relationship to produce fruit. And here's what happens when you give me fruit, I take the fruit and then I prune you because I want what? More fruit. And that's going to require seasons in our life that look like we've been pruned. Right. Listen, if you're a Christian online or in here today, listen, it doesn't always look like the tree's beautiful. It doesn't always look like everything. So if your measurement, listen, if your measurement of yourself and your measurement of your friends and the measurement of your spouse and the measurement of your children is if they're Christians, they're always going to produce fruit. You're ignoring biblical truth. There are days and seasons in your life as a Christian. You won't bear even a leaf because you're going through what? Pruning. And guess what? Pruning is painful. I don't think you've ever heard your branch scream at you when you cut off the live bark and cut off the good branch that just produced a beautiful apple. But my guess is that stuff is painful. We all go through that. Amen. And the reality is when we go through that, at times we tend to be a little bit harsh and judge people around us like, what's wrong with those people? You know, three weeks ago they were doing just fine. And today they're moping around like their dog died, right? Well, listen, when you go through those wonderful seasons of harvest and then you go directly from that wonderful season of harvest into pruning, man, that is a monumental change. Anybody testify to that? Listen, we go through that stuff. And why? Because God's desire is for this, that you produce more fruit. That's all God cares about. And there's, there's a reason why, and I think Titus 3 gets into that. So he goes on to say that every, everybody tracking with the pruning process, right? Like if, you, if you're wondering what Christian life's going to be like, listen, you need to know John 15. Because this is life connected to Jesus. You're there to produce fruit. 
That's it. God's measuring your fruit. We can say all the things we want, come up with all the Christianese. We can talk all the theology we want. There's one reason that God connects you to Jesus. That's so you'll produce fruit. And the fruit that you produce is for the benefit of the people around you. Right? And here's the thing. God's a God who wants his glory. So when he gets fruit, he's going to get more fruit. And he's got a process in place to get it. And you might think, well, what about me? Let me tell you something. We sang a song tonight that says, Our God Reigns. What an amazingly beautiful song. You either believe that or you don't. You either believe that God reigns and his plan is supreme or your plans and your desires are supreme. And those two things, if they're not connected, are going to be a problem. So God's going to prune us. He's going to get more fruit. He says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Listen, there's a power in this word that does something in us and through us that makes it possible to be connected to that vine that you can't get without it. Listen, you can, you can do everything you want from a Christianese perspective, from a religion perspective, but it's the word of God that you've got to get in you that actually takes away the uncleanness in you, right? So he says... Listen to what he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. That Greek word has the idea of making my home with you, right? I'm going to abide with you, right? Remain in me and I'm going to remain in you. So stop worrying about whether you're okay with Jesus. If you, listen, if you're connected to Jesus, he's connected to you. Amen. Right? No branch. That means no Christian can bear fruit. Why? So listen, we don't have to talk about, well, you don't have to be a Christian to come to church. Nobody ever said you did. Anybody that says that's crazy, right? You don't got to be a, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian, right? But the Bible says you can't bear fruit, the thing that God's going to measure. Because remember, who's the gardener? God is. I can't measure fruit without my gardener. And my gardener says you can't do it by yourself. Meaning you're going to have to be connected to something. The reality is there's purposes beyond gathering that you and I often forget. There's a benefit to being not alone. Because listen, the minute we get alone, we are desperately, desperately in the sights of the devil. Man, he loves that more than anything. Eve's most vulnerable moment came without her husband. Right? It's just the reality of what happens. Elijah's most vulnerable moment came when he said, I'm the only one here. And God went... I got 7,000 people you ain't ever met that's fighting the same fight you're fighting, right? You and I can't do it by ourselves. Man, if there's one thing I would absolutely beg of you as your pastor or one of your pastors to do in 2022 is don't do this by yourself. Don't let that become a mantra. If you're not connected in a ministry group, if you're not connected in a mission team, if you're not connected in a small group, man, get in one. Because there is something about being connected that keeps this from happening. There are too many Christian people watching online, too many people that come to this church and all kinds of churches that want to serve Jesus by themselves. It's not going to work long term. You've got to be in connection to Jesus. Because the branch without the vine has no power. Amen? And guess what? The Bible says that we, all of us and all of you online, we are the body of Christ. So we need to be connected to who? Each other. And listen, I don't know about you, but I would rather do this by myself. Right? Like, I'm not a big fan of being connected to all of you. Right? And let's be honest, you're not a big fan of being connected to me. Right? Well, some of you are, right? But it's, listen, it's, it's, 
And in our world today, doing things alone is a big deal, right? We can tell people all the Facebook friends that we have, right? The reality is until you're actually connected to somebody and you're actually trying not to do this by yourself, that's when you can begin to make a difference. For some of you, the biggest, the biggest commitment you need to make in 2022 is you're going to avoid that, right? You're going to start being connected. And listen, time for excuses are over. We need to quit making excuses and just do it. I make sure that I'm in a community group, whether I like it or not, because the reality is I know that if I avoid community group, I'll end up doing that in a heartbeat because it's my, and as the older I get, it's the more natural, the more natural inclination. I know I'm loud and I'm, and I'm bombastic on stage and I talk and I'm funny most of the time, right? But I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people, right? It's not my bag. Right. I would rather do I'd rather watch football by myself. I'd rather go to a movie by myself. I'd rather eat by myself. That's just who I am naturally without community. I'm in trouble. So I make sure that I keep that a part of my life because bearing fruit requires connection to Jesus, Jesus, our savior and Jesus, his body. Does that make sense to you, church? Right. He goes on to say this. Bring that verse, the verse back up before that. I'm sorry. Right? No branch can bear fruit by itself. It, the branch, must remain in the vine. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen, there's nothing good that God can measure that comes out of you without a connection to Jesus. So he says, I'm the vine, Jesus says, you Disciples are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I remain in him, he or she will what? Bear much fruit. It's a natural occurrence. So the key to producing fruit is staying connected to who? Staying connected to who? Everybody say Jesus. It's almost always the right answer in church, right? Right? Listen, it is inevitable that you will produce much fruit if you stay connected to Jesus. That's it. So you need to determine, I need to determine, all of you online need to determine, how do you best stay connected to Jesus? Because without staying connected to Jesus, you can't produce the thing the gardener's going to examine, and if he doesn't see it, he's cutting the branch off. It's just that simple. So he says, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you what? And here's the thing about that nothing. Matthew chapter 7 records these people. But God, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. We did all these things in your name. So doing nothing or that can do nothing doesn't mean they're not doing something. Oh, they're doing all kinds of great religious acts. Oh, they're coming to church and they're preaching sermons and they're singing songs and they're going on mission trips. But if you're not connected to Jesus, the gardener sees it as what? He sees it as nothing zilch. That's why Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because doing something without being connected to Jesus in God's economy is what? Nothing. Listen, for some of you, 2022 needs to be about you getting back to being connected to Jesus. I don't care what it is. Buy a small devotional and just read one verse and one devotional a day. Do whatever it takes to get reconnected to Jesus. Maybe it is coming to church. Maybe it is listening to worship songs. Maybe it is getting involved in a community group. But whatever it is, listen, 2022 needs to be a year we get back to being connected to Jesus. Because every good thing that God wants for us and through us comes through being connected to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? 
says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone doesn't remain in me. So this is the warning to those of us who just disconnect from Jesus. If you don't remain, you once were, you were once connected to Jesus, and now you've separated from Jesus. Right? He says, that person that was once connected to the vine and is now no longer connected, that person is like a branch that is thrown away. Like it. This is exactly what your life looks like. It looks like a branch that gets thrown away and what? Withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and what? That's what it's like to be a Christian without a connection to Jesus. You're a, you're a person who's dying inside. You're just like a branch that's withered because you got no life. Listen, for lots of people, listen, we, 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 and, and, and we're, we're praying about this and working on this, but we've lost several hundred people over the last year, year and a half with COVID. People that were once connected are no longer connected. And, and, and they're not, they're just, they're not connected here. Now, whether they're connected to Jesus away from here, that's something they have to work at. But I just know that being disconnected is a step closer to being disconnected. Right? Every time you take a step to disconnect, you take a a step closer to being disconnected more. Right? So here's what he says. If you don't remain in me, if you don't stay connected to me, and you once were because you were a branch connected to the vine, if you don't do that continually, here's what it's like for you. You are like a branch that's thrown on the ground and withers and dies. Listen, that's what it feels like for lots of Christian people right now. Lots of Christian people feel exactly that way and they wonder why church isn't working for them. And you can pick up your stupid phone and go through TikTok and you can go through and you see all these people deconstructing their faith because Jesus didn't work for them. No, church didn't work for them. Jesus always works for you. Always works for you. And all Jesus requires is this. You just stay connected to me. And listen, the way I stay connected to Jesus may be different than the way you stay connected to Jesus. But I know this, it will always include the same couple things. The Word of God. I don't care how you get it. I don't care who says it to you. But you've got to get the Word to be connected. And the other thing you require is all of us. You need somebody to be connected to. Something besides yourself. Because the minute you go unattached, the world says, I'm right here. Right? Let's partner and let's do this thing together. Right? So he goes on to say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. Do you see the commonality there? We take those verses and go, listen, it's name it and claim it. You pray it, believe it, God will do it. That's not what he says. And people who teach you that stuff are so far off the truth. He's talking in context of a relationship with Jesus to produce fruit. He says, if you stay in that relationship... If you stay in that relationship of producing fruit, then you can ask whatever you wish and it's going to be given to you. Does that make sense to you? Listen, the reality is we take that verse and go, oh, well, I'm praying and I'm asking for this and it's not happening. Are you using it in the context of what he says? He didn't just say willy nilly. Listen, you can ask whatever you want. You're a Christian now. God wants to be known as magnanimous. But I'm telling you this, if you're in a relationship with Jesus... And you're, you're in the business of allowing God to produce fruit through you. I guarantee you, you can ask your Savior whatever you wish and he's going to make it done. You want to know why? Because God wants what kind of fruit? More fruit. Listen, more fruit? Better. 
So God's not afraid to answer your questions when you're in the business of producing fruit. Those are the prayers we need to be praying. The problem is so many of us aren't connected to Jesus well enough to know that and to know what to pray. Right? We see miracles. Listen, we see miracles happen all the time. Because of our work with missionaries across the globe, man, we hear of stories of things that are just unbelievable. And here's why. Because those people are out there in the business of producing fruit and connected to Jesus. They go, listen, we need, we need this, right? We need this to happen. God, we need $10,000. God, we need a miracle of this to happen here. That stuff happens all over the globe. It's happening every day. Why? Because the people that are connected to Jesus in the business of producing fruit are asking whatever they wish and it's given to them. Why? Because when that happens, God gets glorified. He doesn't care if you get a brand new car. Right? He doesn't care. I mean, we pray about stuff for our benefit. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that because the Bible says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Amen? But don't be thinking that God's this name it and claim it, you say it and I'll stamp it kind of God. God's got one purpose. He's so serious about the purpose he created you for in Christ that he says this. If you're connected to me and not producing any fruit, I'm cutting you off and throwing you in the fire. Does that sound like a guy who's messing around? No, not at all. And yet we mess around with it all the time. That's just a spiritual fight for us, folks. So he goes on to say this. He remained in me. He says this. This is to my father's glory. This is to my father's glory. You want to know what glorifies God? This is to my Father's glory. Everybody read it with me. Everybody online, read it with me. That you what? And here's what happens. When you bear fruit, look at what the Word of God says. You show yourself to be what? You want to know how people know that you're a believer? Produce what? Fruit. Produce fruit. Get out there and produce fruit. So what we're going to do is we're going to take time over the next few weeks to talk to you about what the Bible calls fruit. And it's more than just the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit produces in us these qualities that produce the fruit that God's measuring. And we're going to talk biblically where that word karpos, fruit, is actually detailed and what that looks like. Because it doesn't do you any good or me any good to know that God's going to measure fruit and not know what the Bible says that fruit is. Does that make sense to you? So we're going to walk through what the Bible calls fruit. And the reality is this. Remember, if you're producing fruit, you're also producing a harvest, which means pruning is coming. So every season isn't beautiful and every season isn't perfect. And here's the problem with being married. You may be married in a season where you're fruit producing and your husband's getting the crud pruned out of him. Guess what that's going to be like in your home? Terrible, right? You may be raising Christian children or Christian teens. And guess what? You may be in a season of pruning and they're off in la-la land because God's producing fruit in them. That's never any fun, right? It's the reason why working on a church staff is the hardest thing to do because you're in a room with 30, 40, 50 people and they're all in different seasons of life. And they all bring their spiritual struggles to work because some people are harvesting, some people are blooming, and some people are pruning. And guess what? That's really complicated. And if you don't have the bandwidth to process that, you can't work on a church staff. It's why it's hard to be on a mission team. It's why it's hard to be on a ministry team. It's why it's hard to serve because all of the people that you're around are in different seasons, right? Now, that was my introduction. <laughs> Titus 3, three things I want to point out real quick, right? Because here's what he says in verse 14. I want you to do good works so you're not 
unfruitful in your lives. Everybody remember that verse? Yes or no? Right? That's the key verse. So that's why we spent so much time on that unfruitful thing. Because fruit is the measurable thing that God looks for. And here's what he says. If you produce it, you're my disciple. And so when we talk about what does discipleship and what does discipleship mean? Discipleship's easy. It's people who produce fruit. That's not complicated. Right? It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. Discipleship isn't complicated. All the books in the world don't need to be written about it. It's one thing, producing fruit, because you're a branch connected to the vine. It's not complicated, right? Titus 3 says, I don't want you to be unproductive. So he says, here's three things I want to point out. First thing is this. He said, you got to do good works. If you want to be, if you want to avoid being unfruitful, he says, do good works. Listen to some verses. I want to read a couple to you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Everybody who's saved, say what? Come on, man. If you're saved, say what? Amen, man. Aren't you grateful you don't have to save yourself? Right. I mean, it's awesome. He says, here's the thing. We're not saved by works so that we can't boast because as humans, we love to celebrate, right? We need to celebrate our own worth and our own works, right? We like to tell people our resume and everything we've done. God doesn't care. He didn't save you because of any of that. Here's what he says. When you're saved, you become God's workmanship, masterpiece. The Greek word there means to take something that sort of existed and weave in new things to it and create something new. That's what we become. <coughs> God uses us, weaves in the new stuff, and then he creates this special thing. And he says, we were created in Christ Jesus. Everybody read it with me. To do what? Every Christian was created to do what? Come on, every one of us. That's what we were created to do. Titus says, do good works and avoid being unfruitful. So good works are really important. And here's the great thing about them. Next verse. Those good works... God prepared in advance for you to do. God already had a plan for your life. You don't need to read Jeremiah 29 to get a plan, right? God knows the plan he has for you. Because guess what? When he created you in Christ Jesus, he created you to do what? Come on, good works. And guess what? He had that plan written a long, long time ago. Your job description was written long before you ever showed up on planet earth. Right? God only knows what he wants you to do. So guess what? If you're connected to Jesus and you want to know what God made you to do, ask whatever you wish in his name and he'll give it to you. Why wouldn't he tell you that? The worst bosses that are in the world are the bosses that give you a job to do and then don't equip you to do it. Right? That stinks. God equipped you to do a job and guess what? He's willing to help you any way he can to get that job done. Now, if you think you need to get a job done by having a brand new car, he might disagree with you. That doesn't mean God doesn't answer prayers. That just might mean your prayer's stupid, right? Or it might just mean you need to budget better so you can buy your own car, right? There's a lot of things that go into that stuff, but God isn't in the business of setting you up to fail when he's prepared something for you to do. Listen to what Timothy said, or Titus 2, 11 and 14 says, for a grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Man, I don't know about you, but I don't think you can preach about the grace of God enough. Because the grace of God brought salvation to all men. And then it does this. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say what? The only word we want Christians to learn how to say is no to sin. How do you get there? Not by hellfire and damnation. You get there by teaching them about God's grace. 
God's grace teaches people to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions, right? And to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. Everything you want for your children, everything you want for your teens, everything you want from your neighbors and your spouses and your girlfriends and your boyfriends, you get by teaching God's grace. Not by pointing fingers and being judgmental. He says, here's why we wait for the blessed hope, our glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And listen to this. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do good works. Again, man, you can't avoid it. Scripture's all over the place. God made you to do what? Good works. Right? And the Greek word there for good, for good is a primary Greek word. And it basically means, means that it's aesthetically pleasing, that it's beautiful to the eye. Listen, it's not hard to measure a good work. That's not, that's not complicated. And it's just the same in simplicity to measure a bad work. And that's what Paul talks about. In Titus, So he goes on and he says this in, let's skip those verses and go to the second point there. So everybody clear that God made you to do good works? Yes or no? Right. And not only did God create you to do them, he wrote them a long time ago. And you know that God's in the business of helping you succeed. Yes or no? So when you're in a relationship with Jesus, wanting to do those good works, ask whatever you wish and God will give it to you because he's in the business of setting you up to succeed. I look in this room and I can see some of you and I know you can stand up on this stage and tell those stories. I know you do. I know some of you are doing the works that God prepared for you to do a long time ago and you can't believe that that's what God prepared you to do. You can't believe that that's what called you, God's what called you to do. And Stacy, I'm looking at you, right? Who would have ever thought, right, that God had those things? But when you find him, it's amazing. When you find him, you get to see what God's doing and you get to see what God's doing through you. Man, that is, that is so, it's the best thing, man. You want to make the world look pale and insignificant? Do the thing that God's made you to do and you can't talk about anything else. It is just, it's the thing that most Christians are missing. Listen, I love when we gather, sit in the back, listen, sit in the back and listen to Deidre and TJ and Josh and all these guys play and sing. And I don't know about you, but I love that stuff, right? Amen. Man, I love our worship. I love when I walk down the hallway and hear a hundred middle school Cretans screaming and having a blast, right? But it ain't nothing compared to doing what God made you to do. Man, the minute you get to do that, Everything about your relationship with Jesus will change. Man, it's the thing I live and breathe. So when people say to me, you know, stuff about working here, I will tell them this is the greatest job I've ever had. Because in the job, I'm doing the thing that God created me to do. Has it been easy? No, my gosh, it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. It's come with more heartache and pain than I can even begin to tell you. But it is the thing that makes sure that every day I don't even think about doing anything else. And it's not like the world doesn't have a million offers a day. But this is what you need. You need to be connected to God through your Savior Jesus that says, I made you to do something. And I wrote your job description a long time ago. So when you get interested in doing what I made you to do, you just need to come to me and ask me whatever you want. Because you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Because guess what? When you produce fruit cord, I'm going to get some glory. 
I'm going to get the glory that I need. And here's what Galatians or Matthew chapter 5 says. He says, let the world see your good works that they might what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Man, that's what we want, right? So he says, don't just do good works. He says this in point two, don't fight. Don't fight. This is, this is, this is, this is the part that makes me want to explode, right? Look at what Titus says in Titus chapter three, one and two in the verses nine and 11. He's talking to these people on this island, right? He's told them, I don't want you to be unfruitful, but I want you to do good works. We know why that's important because people who are connected to Jesus produce fruit that are good works. And it makes us a disciple. He says, remind the people, believers. So you online and you in here, remind the people to be subject, be subject to rulers and authorities. Next verse, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Listen to this. And to slander. Come on. No one to be and considerate and to show true humility toward. Come on, man. If there's something that the church is failing in in 2022, it's that. So we failed it in 2021. We are not in a cultural war. We are not fighting culture. We are telling people the gospel so that God can work through you and me to reach a place where those people accept Jesus. The culture's going to hell. Right? They're going to hell. And the only way to change it isn't to change culture, it's to show them Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. As I'm about ready to get down off the stage and start walking through the aisles. I mean, listen to what Christians are like. I mean, just get on your Facebook page. Get on social media. We are not considerate. We are not humble. We are not peaceable. We are not submissive to rulers and authorities. You know what that does to our message? It discredits it. And when it discredits our message, it discredits our Savior. Are you frustrated? Yes. Am I frustrated? Yes. Nothing I hate worse than seeing my America, my home, be changed and become what it is. But I am a whole lot more concerned about the people that are going to go to hell for an eternity. And if God says to me, you be peaceable and you be considerate and you do this toward all men and you don't... Sl- I mean, listen, if we took slander, just slander, we would text less, we would talk less, we would post less, we would like less, we would do all that less because so much of what Christians post is just slander. It's just mean-spirited. And we stand on, oh, it's the truth. This is the truth. Listen, the truth is... It ain't time, right? The truth. The truth is this... The truth is this, that people will die and go to hell without Jesus. And the people that know Jesus have a responsibility to show people Jesus. And Jesus told the people who were under Roman rule, keep your mouth shut, turn your cheek, give them your coat, and walk the extra mile. And we live in a country that says we won't do that. That is wrong. And I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut about it. So I'm going to say it. We've got to start practicing these things because it makes a difference. Because they all have connection to not doing what is good. He says this. I'm going to read a couple more verses. Um, Titus 3, 9 and 11. Avoid foolish 
controversies, genealogies, arguments, quarrels about legalism, because these are unprofitable and useless. Listen to this one. Warn a divisive person once. Warn them a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with that person. Why? Because you may be sure that such a person is warped and sinful and self-condemned. We fire staff over that. I'm not having it. You want to know a work of the devil? Divisiveness is it. The greatest, the greatest trick he ever played was to divide Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The greatest thing he'll do with us is divide us. When you hear people talk about divisive things, you should warn them once. And I don't mean get up in the grill and stomp your foot. I think you should read this verse to them. And then if they do it again, I think you should warn them a second time. And after that, I don't think you should have anything to do with them. And why do I say that? Because the Bible says that. Listen, those are things that we just don't want to talk about. We want to talk about the big things. Listen, this is where the difference is made in the people around you. Good works reflect Jesus. And reflecting Jesus is always a great thing. When we slander and aren't peaceable and argumentative and divisive, we only put the spotlight on us and nobody was ever saved by seeing that. Instead, they leave church and they start a video blog and they start telling us about what's wrong with Christianity. Ain't nothing wrong with Christianity because ain't nothing wrong with Jesus. What's wrong is we just don't practice it very well. Right? We just got to get better at that stuff. So he says, do good works and don't fight. And here's the last thing he says. He says, don't forget. Don't forget. Listen to what, this, listen to what he says in, in verse 3 of chapter 3. At one time, we too were foolish, and we were disobedient, and we were deceived, and we were enslaved by all kinds of passions, right? And we were enslaved by all these pleasures. We lived in malice and envy and being hated and hating one another, right? He's describing what culture looks like, right? We're not in a fight with that culture, right? He says, but when the kindness and the love of our God and our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done. We were unrighteous. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Right? He saved us because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Right? Through our baptism and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? And here's the thing. He says, bring that verse back up. He says, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is renewing you and changing you. And you're, don't be telling, listen, don't be telling me. Don't be telling me as your pastor. That's just who I am. I don't care. I know who the Holy Spirit is. He's love and he's peace and he's patience and he's kindness and he's goodness and he's faithfulness. He's gentleness and he's self-control. I don't care what your personality is. Nobody cares what my personality is. Listen, I sit in my office on a daily basis. I bite my tongue to fight my personality. Because the people that work here and work for me need to see Jesus and his spirit, not me. And we got to get better at that. Right? He goes on to say, the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us generally through Jesus Christ our Savior. Why? So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Right? We get, we get an amazing promise. He goes, this is a trustworthy say, saying, and I want you to stress these things. Why? So that those who have trusted in God may be careful... To devote themselves to doing good works. Listen, if you forget, 
your salvation and what an amazing gift it is and what God did when he did it. He washed you and then he put a new set of clothes on you and he endowed you with the spirit and said, now go represent me. And then you walk out and you aren't peaceable and you aren't divide and you, and you're not peaceable and you're divisive and you slander and you quarrel and you argue. Guess what? You smell like a person that never took a bath and nobody's attracted to that. Listen, I love the book of Titus. Three little chapters, but I think it speaks a lot to where we're at today in our world. Because I think Crete, in the time of 65 AD, when Paul probably wrote this letter, is a lot like America in 2022. And it certainly addresses some of the struggles that churches have in America in 2022. Listen, I, I love our country. And I hate some of the things that are going on. And I am sickened at my heart at what's happening. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up, I promise. I went to I went to Publix last night, and I was walk and I wasn't in the I was I was in the paper aisle, right? The plates and the paper towels. I just happened to notice what a big pack of Charmin toilet paper went for at Publix. Thirty two dollars for a sixteen pack of toilet paper at Publix. I nearly burnt the place to the ground, right? Like. I don't get what's happening in our world. I can't for the life of me figure out why everything's gone through the roof. I mean, you can give me an economy lesson, blah, 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 I don't care. It's not what I'm saying. I can't believe what's happening to our country. But here's the thing. This has been going on in our world forever. There's been places where it's never been, never been good. We just become uncomfortable all of a sudden in our little communities. And the reality is this, it's time to start, stop screaming about that stuff and start doing the things that Titus says. Listen, don't be unfruitful as a Christian in 2022, because the greatest thing you'll ever experience is doing the thing that God made you to do. But to do that, you got to stop doing the things that our nature wants to do. Stop being divisive. Stop being quarrelsome. Stop being a slanderer. Stop being unpeaceable, being unpeaceable. Stop being those things. Instead, remember, remember, you were once lost. You were once just like those people. And God, because of his great mercy, saved you. Not because of the righteous things that you and I have done, but because of his great mercy. And he did it. Why? So that you and I would be focused on being able to do the good works that God created for us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for saving us for reaching down from your place of perfection and eternity God and demonstrating a love that's incomprehensible in a story that sometimes is incomprehensible you made us you lost us and you came back after us we're grateful that Jesus was the one that decided to bridge that gap for you it's hard to believe that you made us in this season and yet centuries ago you had already written our job description of what you made us to do when we became a Christian my prayer today father for this group of people and the group of people watching online is that you will show them what you made them to do so that every person in here can experience what it's like to be doing the thing that you made them to do. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for uh, 
being in this space. Again, I pray for the work of your word and the work of your spirit to continue far beyond this moment. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.